Welcome to the One in the Shiba podcast with Suji and Ed. We're just two Asian Americans talking shit about shit. Yeah. Hi, Ed. Hey, how was your week? My week was great. I was in Kansas for oh. work um, before the pandemic. Wait, Kansas or Missouri? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we were in Kansas City. I always am confused by that. So before the pandemic, I would go there for work twice a year. And it's like literally one of those things. You, you drive from one street and you're in Kansas and then you drive across the street and you're in Missouri. So yes, I was in both. We were in Kansas City, Kansas for the show. And then we went to dinner in Kansas City, Missouri. But it was great. I go, um, like I said, twice a year. And I meet up with this one particular group of women. They're all around my same age. We've all been in the same industry forever. So we just like do our work, get that done, and then we just cut loose. I it, This was two days ago that we went out and I'm confidently still drunk, 100% still drunk right now. I, I, I'm I'm like, I vacillate between like, oh, I'm still drunk. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm so hungover. And then it was, but it was great. Got yeah. a lot of good work, Got a lo had a lot of fun. It was fantastic, but I'm yeah. <laughs> How I mean, you? you seem better than what you sounded like yesterday yes. when you texted me on the plane being like, I'm trying my hardest not to puke. puke. It, okay, I've puked on the plane before. Oh, and I was like, geez. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. I don't care what I have to do to avoid it. I'm not gonna do it. But I had the outside, like I had the aisle seat. So there was a, a bigger gentleman sitting to the left of me and then the aisle you know, obviously is right here. So I just had sat so uncomfortably all the way from Kansas and I was like, oh, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die, I'm not gonna make it. And then it, it was rough. And when you I threw up on the plane, was it in the barf bag or did you go to the toilet? I had to go to the toilet because we all caught a bug in Hawaii. This is the worst story. You wanna hear the worst thing that can happen to you on a plane? Yes. Everyone, okay. So I'm flying with my family. We're all there. My two sisters, their kids, me, my kids. My husband had to leave early though because he had to go back to work. And my parents are like sitting, you know, on a different part of the plane. And my youngest, no, my sister's oldest got sick and she got some kind of stomach bug, but none of us had gotten it but then we all got it on the last day on the flight home. And so I literally threw up six or seven times on the flight from Hawaii oh to LA while my kids were much younger then. So I'm trying to, and I'm by myself. So you know, when you're on your plane, you have to keep kids occupied and you have to like help them and they drop shit. And you're like, oh my God, like they want, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I dropped my marker. I can't find my crayon. Where's my other headphone? I'm like, oh It's all lost forever. <laughs> yeah. It's not on a fucking plane. I don't know where it is. And then my older, my younger sister, is sitting one aisle in front of me and so we, we are about to deboard. We get home, I'm like, oh my God, we made it, thank God. And my littlest niece is sitting on her lap, facing her, like she's like holding her and she just goes and barfs all over my sister. And, then and she she's barfed. covered in puke and I had just puked like six times. So I had to help her clean the puke off of her as people are trying to like get by oh and like get off the plane, gosh. it was a fucking nightmare. And I'm just like trying to like scoop vomit like off my sister while I'm trying to like not, <laughs> the baby's crying. My kids are like, so I'm tired, I'm hungry. I was like, this was the worst way to end a vacation ever. Oh, so man. yesterday was not as bad as that. Yeah, It was still really rough though. At least neither of you were the type of people who throw up when you watch or hear someone else throw up, because that's me. Oh, really? Yeah, if I hear, I just have such a visceral, like my brain is way too strong <laughs> in controlling things, because like it'll just like take me places and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. No. and if I see it come out, it's coming out. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, I know you have goals and aspirations to be a dad someday. <laughs> Get over it. I cannot tell you, I've had my children barf into my mouth. 
I've had my children barf down my whole back. I've had to clean poop that have, has come up from the back of their diaper all the way to the top of their head. Like it's, you. if you are gonna be a dad, you gotta get with it. Well, being, and, and if you have a future partner who is a woman and she has morning sickness like oh, I do, right. I barfed for seven months straight. So get get with, the, get with it because it's not, it's not gonna change. This is my face of trying to figure out what I can do. But <laughs> with poop, I'm okay because I've I've had dogs. Mm. You know, like I've gotten conditioned to it. But and like when dogs throw up, it's like a totally different experience. Yes, They're yes. more like <coughs> it's more of yeah, a cough versus like a you know what I mean. And that <laughs> ugh, just even yeah yeah yeah. Um, so yeah definitely. Was, so I narrowly survived my trip to Kansas. <laughs> well, but, even that, I would have rather had your week than my week. Why? Did so, you have a crazy week? It wasn't. So like the weekend got crazy. So one of my really good friends got married this weekend in Pomona. Oh, okay. So Saturday I am getting ready. And it's funny because my roommate who also went to the wedding earlier in the week was like, hey, make sure all your wedding clothes and everything is ready. And I was like, yeah, okay, guy. Yeah, but you weren't in it though. I wasn't in it. No, thank God I wasn't in it because it would have been a disaster because the day, like minutes before we had to leave, so I keep all of my dress shoes, which I don't wear anymore because I don't work in a corporate office. Mm -hmm. In this like zip up fabric bag, like container thing from Ikea that I keep under my bed. Mm -hmm. Well, because it's been raining so much and because like gas and electric prices are so high, we've been like a little stingy with Uh like the heat, like a lot of people in LA have, you know? Which I didn't realize led to mold. So I opened up that box and all of my dress shoes were just covered in mold. Now, That's crazy. yeah, so like I think I caught it within like four to five days within a week of it starting to happen because it wasn't crazy. But then I realized that that because like a month ago, I cleaned off mold off of the window that's behind my bed because the headboard is there. So like, I rarely ever look at it, but when I looked from all the condensation, it got moldy. So moist, so much moisture from the rain. So like I, we, I cleaned all that up and then I didn't think anything of it. But I think when that happened, I think those mold spores, the moisture and all of it, it spread really fast. So then now we had to leave. We're already running late because I'm perpetually like five to 10 minutes late for everything. And then I started panicking. I was like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Cause I get overwhelmed very yeah, easily same. and I didn't know what to do. So I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm just going to have to wear the nicest sneakers that I have yeah. and they're just going to have to deal but with that's it. That's a look. That's yeah, a yeah, look. Yeah, it is a look. So, you know, the wedding was great. It was great. Um, really fun. Then I came back and then I had to deal with this mold uh. problem. So like first off yesterday, I had to throw away 25 pairs of shoes. First of all, you have to. Okay, so like back, yeah, back when I used to work at corporate companies and I had a disposable income before I I was like, I'm gonna start a company, thinking that like, oh, that means you don't have any time or disposable income anymore. I used to collect shoes. You're one of those guys. Yeah, I used to be one of those guys. I just, uh, cause like, you know, for guys, there's like not much for us to like accessorize with. So it was always like shoes for me. And like, I just loved shoes, you know? They, They weren't salvageable in any way? So some were. Luckily, the second container that I had mostly of my new sneakers, some of which had never been worn. A lot of my shoes have never been worn. Like I just literally collect them. I'm like, oh, ooh, that's really? nice. And then I'm like, sometimes I like put it on to wear it. And then I'm like, no, 
I can't wear this out. And then like that'll happen a couple of times and then it just like goes back in the box or the container and then yeah, I forget yeah. about it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those were salvageable, but some were just like ruined. And then after I cleaned out those containers, I was like, oh, I should probably look in my closet. Ugh. Cause like my room still smelled a little moldy. Oh, no. So then like there was like 10 pairs of shoes in my closet that were moldy God. and like, like some of my jackets and stuff were moldy and like, Oh, luckily, Ed, I'm so sorry. That yeah. Luckily awful. I was able to clean some of them off, but I'm still in the process of like washing all of my closet. Yeah. You have to like gut the room. I had to like basically gut the room. I had to like take apart the whole bed. Luckily the mattress was untouched because I think all the, you know, anti my, my, like microbial yeah, stuff yeah. like so everything else was fine actually one of my pillows was moldy that i was sleeping next to for how who knows how long you know what i mean so that that got washed yesterday three times uh with vinegar and and like bleach and stuff nothing better than the smell of vinegar in your bedroom <laughs> yeah yay <laughs> although the overeater in me was like mm, smells like salt and vinegar <laughs> I certainly want a Caesar salad. <laughs> Silver lining, food, always, always, you know, comfort. Oh, dude, that sucks. But yeah, that's been like, not has been, is still my life right now. <laughs> Isn't there some kind of like dehumidifier thing that you can like rent in the room to like just suck all the moisture? Yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, out? yeah. So uh, I just like took out our one like space heater. And just have been like pumping mm. that in my room, just being like, dry everything out. Do you have an air purifier? I feel like you should get one of those too. I do. So I do have two air purifiers. I have those running. I think the other thing that didn't help was we have this like really, really effectively efficient humidifier. Mm. And that's just been running. Oh. So like out from like the moisture outside, the moisture inside, oh. the lack of sun. It just, yeah. I didn't ever think that like that could happen, no. you know? Ugh. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. I'm but glad our two week weeks weren't combined. Yeah. Because if you were as hungover as I am and then had to clean out all the mold in your room, oh, you okay. just have to move. I, you just leave oh. everything behind and just start fresh. I said that to no my chance. roommate. Oh, I was really? like, I was like, if it wasn't contained to my room, I was like, I would literally just burn the house just down move. and just be like, start yeah. fresh. Electrical fire. We Whatever have to, we can fit in the car, if anything. Yeah. If not, we'll just go. I live in my car now. <laughs> One of the, no, but that's like a luxury thing right now, right? Those people who get like like campers and stuff. What is it called? Like, not glamping. You know, van life. Van life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do that. But I feel like your van could get moldy too. I can't do that. <laughs> Me neither. Every time I watch his videos, I'm like, oh, I can do that. And then I'm like, do you know who you are, Ed? Some of them are so luxurious. And then, but so also, nice. again, that speaks to a lot of that like white privilege. Like there are people who live in their cars who have to live in their cars yeah. and like don't have the privilege of living in these like luxurious vans and people just like romanticize it so much. And it's yeah, like, no. you're still living in a car. I do want to see what hard. it's like though, but like, you know, that's what rentals are for. Yeah, right. I'd, I'd get like a Winnebago and like cross country. Yeah. And we could do that one day, like one time in our lives. Like yeah, do yeah, a cross country yeah. like Podcast tour? Live podcast tour. Oh, that'd be fun. You that guys want to see would be that? Fun. You do. Not it on driving. I'm calling it right now. You're what? I'm calling not it on driving. <laughs> you want me to drive? <laughs> yes. Good luck. I, that's because like the, that whole thing seems really nice until I think about the logistics of being like, oh, you have to drive Wait, it. Wait, but I don't want to drive either. And you literally get like this much tolerance on both sides. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. You can't. You know, and like we'll have to rethink this whole thing. Yeah, we. One of you guys wants to volunteer. <laughs> we will pay you in food. No, just hugs. <laughs> <laughs>
BYOS. <laughs> Bring your own food. <laughs> no, actually, I think that'd be really fun. I feel like that'd be fun for like a day. We'll get to like Santa Barbara and be like, all right, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Cross state. <laughs> nope, not a even that. <laughs> cross city. <laughs> we went to a whole different county. <laughs> we drove from Santa Monica to Boyle Heights. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so fun. Fun for who? The people that make fun of us? Yeah, there's a lot of them lately. <laughs> yeah, like at, like at the airport, unsuspectingly. Oh my God. We just talked about this. We just talked about this last week. So I'm at the airport in Kansas and there's this little Asian man. He was probably like in his late 80s, maybe. He was very small, frail. We gave him space and time to like get his stuff. But he gets through the security line first. And then I follow right after him. And I guess, I don't know why, but they like were giving him like a very in-depth pat down. Like he had to like take his belt off and do all this stuff. Whereas I was just, okay, you can go now. And as I'm leading, leaving, the TSA agent goes, oh, well, if you guys are together, you're gonna have to wait for him. And I was like, I'm not, we're not together. You didn't see us communicating at all. I didn't gesture towards him in any way. Like there was nothing to give you any indication that we were together. Was he even East Asian? I don't think so. I think he was Southeast Asian. I think he was Vietnamese because he had like a, Vietnam vet hat on, so I don't even know. Oh, I think he was, but I think that's what it said on him. I, 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 did, I didn't even notice him. I barely yeah. noticed him, so I don't even know. I guess if he was a vet, he could have been East Asian. He could have been. He yeah, didn't yeah, look yeah. it though. I mean, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I, I barely looked at him until I like turned around to see who she was talking about. And I was like, so literally, if, if you're just in the vicinity of another Asian person, you are yeah. automatically assumed. And this then I was bitch. like, why are you trying to say that? Like, if you think he's like my dad, that I'm like this shitty daughter that's just like fucking bailing on her dad who's right. getting security pat down. Unsaid microaggressions, right. right? It's twofold. You uncaring bitch, that's your dad. You're just gonna walk away. I'm like, I don't even know that man, right? <laughs> at all, like whatever. So yeah, that was um, my Kansas City air, but the airport at Kansas in Kansas City is gorgeous. I don't. A lot of people are talking about it. it's big news down there. It was incredible. It's huge. There are these huge art installations. They have a sensory room, like in case you get overwhelmed, like you can go into this room, it's like dark and it's got like really like soft, like swishy lighting and like soft music. And it's got play areas for kids. It's got dog relief stations. It's oh. like, it had a genderless like bathroom. It had like t TV screens. I mean, it was so fancy. It was so nice. I was like, wow, I should have come here earlier and just hung out. Dang, I can't believe so many people fly with their dogs nowadays. I saw so many dogs and I want to pet them all, but I know better and I'm not supposed to. But oh, I want to steal them all. I know, they're all so cute. There was one on the tram. I had to stop in Minneapolis on the tram. He was so cute, he was so sweet, but he didn't look like a trained dog. He was just like running around and being crazy. And I was mm. like, emotional support. Right, for who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But I think this week we wanted to talk about how we were raised, right? How we were raised and how I think maybe focusing on how like language affected yeah. our growth and development and I don't know, our, our personalities, I guess. Right. Tell me a little bit about how you grew up. Ed. Well, cause, cause there's like, cause that's the thing is like, I feel like you and I had Very polar different. opposite ends of the spectrum. Cause there's like essentially roughly three ways that immigrants raise their kids, right? They're either live as if nothing has changed except for location. Right. So like, let's say- Just geography. Right, so like in the case of my mom, it was like, we moved here and we smoked Korean in the house. We Everything was Korean, you know, my mom would watch like Korean shows and movies. So it was like, we were in a Korean lifestyle, just like in a different place. Mm -hmm. Then there's other families who I feel like is more on your end yeah. where 
you focus a lot on assimilation, just making sure that everything, you know, is copacetic, you know, you're like transitioning. And then there's like something in the middle where it's like a little bit of both. And I think it like definitely affects the way. It can't not. Yeah. Right. I think it's very formative how you are raised by your immigrant parents. And I, like you were saying, I feel like full immersion into society and, you know, I don't want to say like, there are some families that I've spoken to where the parents are like, do not speak your native tongue. We want you to be fully immersed in English language because you're not going to get ahead if you don't. Yeah. And then there are some families like, even like my, my family, like my cousins, almost exclusively like you spoke Korean in their house and mm-hmm. watched Korean TV and listened to Korean music. Mm-hmm. And these are like my family members. And so for us, my sisters and I was, it was really different. That was not our experience at all. So my parents moved here in 1971, I think it was. Uh, my older sister was like two years old. Okay. And so, so she was born in Korea. She was born in Korea. Mm-hmm. And when they got here, you know, she was two, but my parents had to work. So they put her in um, like the Salvation Army daycare. And so she learned English oh, as a two-year-old right. in America. And so then I was born about four years later and I spoke Korean with my parents, but English with my sister. Cause my sister at that point had pretty much not really even developed her Korean. Cause she was, she came at such a young age. Yeah. And so she almost felt more distance from her Korean than I did because I then lived with my grandmother who moved here and then lived with us. Um, and she didn't speak a word of English. So it was really Mm -hmm. weird. Like the, like how it like layered out, like Sandy, my older sister was older and was at school. I was younger and at home with my grandmother who was speaking Korean. Yeah. And then my younger sister was born and she kind of was somewhere in the middle because then I was learning English from my sister, but also speaking Korean with my parents and my grandmother, my mom, I actually called her today and I was like, how did I learn to speak English? And she was like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you don't know. She's like, I think it just kind of happened because Sandy would naturally speak English to right. you and then you would speak Korean to, to your grandmother, but you and your grandmother would watch American TV shows. So I'm pretty convinced that the price is right in Gilligan's Island is how I learned to speak English. <laughs> 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 it's not even a joke, like for real. Like, and these were shows that my grandmother could watch and still follow along. Like, right. so we would watch Gilligan's Island, and we would watch all the game shows. She loved game shows. Yeah, um, I mean, who doesn't? I'm Right, but they were easy for her to follow along and understand yeah. like, um, what's that one where you get dressed up? Um, uh, Price is Right. No, not that one. And you have to pick room one, two or three. You know, Wayne Brady hosts it now. Fuck, we'll remember, we'll put it right here. A room, you have to pick a room? No, it's like, do you, do you pick room one or do you pick room two or do you take the special mystery box or like whatever? The oh, I don't know. Called? Oh, this is gonna kill me. We'll flash it up on screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I told you I'm still drunk, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mentioned I'm still inebriated. That's, that's yeah. what's happening. We don't want to get comments <laughs> of us being uneducated. Yeah, or unprepared. Yeah. I'm just drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Life. Um. Yeah, and then and then I went off to school, and so that's kind of. And I don't think my parents consciously were like, "Don't speak Korean, don't do that." It just was circumstantial, right? You know, because they were also just trying to figure out how to learn English as right. well. Right, and I think a lot of for them, speaking English with us helped them practice their English, right. and so their English got you know over time you know yeah. infinitely better because we spoke it. I want to say exclusively, but like my mother would say things in Konglish. Konglish, and I think it's funny now 
my dad said to me, he's like, I feel like I don't have a firm grasp on either language anymore. <laughs> he's like, I forget what certain words are in Korean and I don't know them in English. Oh no. Because he's lived here for 50 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, I feel like I can't speak either. I'm like, oh dad. Do they speak Korean to each other, your parents? Yes, yes. Sometimes. Sometimes they speak English to yes. each other. Yes. Well, also because we work together. Yeah. And so we'll be in situations oh, where we have to speak English right. to each other. So they do speak English to each other. And then if we're around, like the kids are around and my kids are around or whatever, they'll speak English to each other, knowing that we're also listening to them. You know what I mean? Like in conversation. So it's a lot yeah. of in and out. It's all in and out for us. It's really That's funny. And not like funny haha, but it's just like, I've. that's not my experience. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I don't ever speak English to my mom. Well, you saw when my mom saw you speaking Korean, she thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, that's why it was like <laughs> hilarious. I kept being like, 안녕하세요, <laughs> And she just like kept laughing. She was like, that's funny. And I was like, <laughs> what are you doing? I was like, do I sound that bad? No, I think she thinks that you're like me and you're speaking Korean to her to be like respectful, but you probably don't have a handle or grasp on the Korean language as well as you do because she doesn't know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think she thinks that you're like trying to be oh, like so super cute. respectful yeah, and yeah. cute or whatever. She's like, oh, you don't have to do that. You know I mean? I'm like, no, he actually speaks Korean really well. It's not <laughs> maybe, that well, Maybe yeah. better than you, mom, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but I totally understand what your dad is saying because I too grew up with my grandmother. Mm. And I think that's a big reason why I was so good at Korean. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but because after my, my grandmother passed away when I was 12. And since then, especially like after I moved out of my mom's house and went to college and went through a stage of like just trying to fit in and, you know, like basically a little bit of internalized racism, sure. just like trying to abandon that identity by, you know, being fit in. But somewhere along the line, I like didn't speak in Korean that much. Mm -hmm. And then after I started picking it back up, even though I knew how to speak it and it wasn't that bad, there were some words where I was like, it's the pronunciation like a all or yeah. oh? I was like, oh, I don't remember right. anymore. So it's like, easy to lose. Yeah, you don't, it's like anything. It's like a skill. You know, yeah. you, you, you don't use it, you you lose it. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. Um, but also simultaneously, my parents, when I was a kid, wanted they wanted me to retain my Koreanness, so they would send me to Korean like language school. Yep. God, but I just like ditched all the time, and I just I I know. Was I, it at church? Uh, it was at church, but it was also at a school. Oh. And then I would go every week to Korean school. And then they sent me away to this Korean camp. What? I hated it. Only in LA. I hated it. So. What did you guys, wait, what did you guys do at this Korean camp? Okay, so it's like a Korean summer camp, Camp Conifer. I don't even know if it still exists. So it was out in Arrowhead. And we go to the Wilshire State Bank parking lot in Koreatown. And all the Korean parents would drop off their Korean kids. But we were all so different from each other. Just like we were saying, some of them, most of them were not like me. Yeah. Most of them were like Korean born, came here, and then, you know, all spoke like fluent Korean. Um, they also all went to church, something I also didn't do really. Oh. And so they it was were, for socializing. It was yeah, your parents was, to be like, here, make some Korean here, friends. Here, make some Korean friends. Yeah. You have no Korean friends. I knew four Korean kids, and yeah. they were like the Korean kids in the neighborhood, and that was it. Mm -hmm. But the little girls at this camp were such fucking bitches to me. Oh my God. <laughs> they were so because mean. Because you were American born. Because I was American born. Yeah. And they, I, and I didn't know a lot of the things that they were talking about and they would speak Korean in front of me. And I'd be like, I mean, like I could understand them. I'd be like, are you talking shit? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so then that kind of made me like rail against it. 
Cause I was like, well, you guys don't fucking accept me. Like I, these white girls accept me more than you guys do. So it was really a weird dichotomy for me to be in that environment. Right. But then it was mostly like this camp for Korean kids. The camp counselors were also Korean American, but the camp counselors would just like go like hook up and like whatever. And they would like just- Like any camp. Le- yeah, like any yeah. camp. And then we would learn like, two Korean songs and then go rafting <laughs> or we would, you know, <laughs> learn one Korean fan dance and then, you know, have a dance, a party or like whatever. It was really weird. Was the point of the camp to learn Korean or it was just like- Not the language. It was not, there was no language. I don't remember there being, it was more like Korean cultural stuff. Oh. So we would learn like the Korean national anthem and they would talk about Korean history. And they, I remember we had this conversation about, I want to say like patriarchy, but it wasn't framed that way. Um, it was like girls versus boys. What's better? What's worse? Why are girls the same? You know what I mean? Like, so they were trying to be progressive, but like that's they very progressive weren't. for the Korean community. Yeah, yeah but at they the weren't. time. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But, but it, it was still the at least the topic was 80s. broached. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but um, yeah, no. And there was just it was like the eighties. So <laughs> I just remember so vividly like being in the like girls bathroom and they were all like teasing and like aqua netting their hair and stuff at <laughs> camp. And I was like, what is this place <laughs> wait, you wait. sent me to? What the fuck am I wait, doing how here? old are you? I was like 10. Oh, okay. Wow, 10 is young to be like aqua netting your and hair. And that was another thing too, is a lot of the kids that went to this camp were rich kids and we weren't rich kids. We, my parents happened to, happened upon a great house in what then formed around them to become this very affluent area, but they didn't move there when it was one. Right. And so I guess, but all the kids that were there were like, you know, doctor's kids and like professionals kids. And they were all, they all had money. Um, And they all acted like it. Yeah. You know, they all acted like it and they were all wearing really nice clothes. I was like, this is summer camp. Like I went to camp at the Y like the summer before and was like, just like trudging through the dirt. Like you're supposed to at camp. (laughs) And this camp, these kids were like fucking spraying their hair with hairspray and hooking up. And I was like, what is going on? I don't like this camp. Is is this what Koreans do? (laughs) Y'all are weird. That's funny. Yeah, my mom actually used to send me to church, I think specifically so that I would make Korean friends. Mm. Not that that worked that well because it, I would mostly just get bullied. Oh. Yeah, like when we went to this one Seventh day Adventist school or church in Philadelphia when we first moved there. And this older kid and his friend would bully the shit out of me and my one friend. So, so we would like literally Korean just kids? like, yeah. So they would, we would, so me and my friend would basically literally like spend church hiding. Oh. You know what I mean? Cause there's like all these weird crevices in church yeah, that like people sure. don't pay attention to. So we would just like go up there and hide. And then like roughly around the time when we knew we had to like eat and then go home, that's when we would like reappear. Emerge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was like, it was, uh, it wasn't what my mom thought it would be, which is why then she then started sending me to like a really large Korean Presbyterian church as well, because she was just like, she said, just go to church on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. She's like, just make friends. She's like, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then. I ended up having to leave that church because I almost blew up a kid's hand. <laughs> With what? <laughs> With this firecracker that I found in my pocket that I forgot about. Oh my God. At church. And I was like, oh, I found this firecracker. And my friend was like, oh, let's light it. And you know, we were, I was 12, 13, 12. So like, I wasn't that proficient with like a lighter. So I was like, I'll light it, you hold it. <laughs> Not realizing that because it had been in my pocket, I guess like the gunpowder, like, came out all over the fuse. So when I lit it within like 
half a second, it just exploded. Like <gasps> it, he like let it go. So like he was fine. Yeah. There was no damage or anything like that, but it exploded like as he was dropping it, like right in his hand. Yeah. And like it was in the parking lot of the church. He it's had no burns or anything? No, he didn't have any burns that I remember. But yeah, it was like loud. Everyone found out about it. And I was like already labeled like the problem child. Not because I was like a bad kid, yeah. but because within the very judgmental Korean plus like church community, mm -hmm. I think they judged my mom for being a single mother. I'm sure hundred percent they did. You know what I mean? So I was just like, don't, yeah, you don't, you don't like that's, we don't want to associate with that kid. You know what I mean? And like my mom also didn't drive. So it was just like, oh, she's a single mother and you're poor. And I'm pretty sure like whatever. You were just stigmatized. Yeah. Like yeah. whatever inferences they made. You know, it's uh, funny, but I mean, it's not funny. Not for it's my really mom. Like yeah, not it's really like not funny. It's not. Yeah, it's like sad. Quite. I just meant funny as in like it's weird funny. You know, interesting. But, we'll call it. Yeah. Yeah. Church was a big part of my life too. Growing up, no, scratch that. Church was a big part of my fam, extended family's life. Yeah. Um, my uncles, my cousins, they're all like members of the church. But then there was like a. I'm probably not going to divulge as much as I could just because this is my family um but there was a falling out among um siblings on my mother's side because of the church um and frankly like my parents were not you know churchy people we just went to church because my family was there and a lot of the times my parents would just drop us off there and they would have to go to work oh. they're like oh cool daycare they like wouldn't even stay yeah 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 um, i'm sure that wasn't looked highly upon no, either of course not um but my parents at the time you know in the 80s and like early 90s financially were doing better. And so they would just donate money and that's kind of all they cared about anyway. That is all they cared about. And so about. then that changed our status, you know, in and out of whatever. Um, but even the ch even at church where the good majority of the people that were like in power, I guess, at the church were my family, everybody else, I still felt this, I don't know, this, this vibe of just like, you're not one of us here. And we get that you're trying to be, but you're not. And I always just felt really like rejected at church. Yeah. Um, and also I was the kid who was always questioning things at church. Like, well, I don't get it. Why are we even here then? If God has already forgiven me, what am I doing? <laughs> on brand. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Right, totally on brand. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, oh, well, I don't. So Jesus died and then came back and died for our sins then why are we here? Right. What are we doing here? Well, you have to repent. Why? Isn't that why he died for? Yeah. Well, yes and no. And then it, it just didn't make sense to me. And I never really had a problem being like, okay, well, I have a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but this whole, so Mary. Yeah. Let's just like rewind for a second. <laughs> See, she was with Joseph and then the, there was just a baby there. Yeah. And she was like, we swear we're celibate. <laughs> and everyone was just like, oh, it must be an immaculate right. concession. Right? I was like, you guys, come on. Let's all, and, and I'm not denouncing and I'm not being disrespectful to no. religion. I know that people take religion very, very seriously. I just always had questions and never really had anybody to take my questions seriously and give me actual answers. And maybe it was because I was a kid, maybe because there was a language barrier between me and the people who were supposed to be teaching me these things. So. To me, church just never felt like a safe place for me to be. Not an unsafe in like the, I was in danger kind of way, but in like a place where I could really express myself. Yeah. At all. At all. I totally understand what you mean because I, I do believe in God and a lot of that stuff. I just don't believe in the sanctity of the church. Mm. So like, 
when I was younger, there were times like my mom would oftentimes once a year go to Korea for a month and I don't think she can get in trouble, but she would leave me home alone. How old were you? Uh, this started, this started happening before my grandmother died, but after my grandmother died when I was 12, so so 12. She would leave you for a month? She, I, would, I would be home alone for a month. At 12? And I would have to make sure that like, I don't let anyone know my mom's not home so that she didn't get in trouble and I didn't get taken by like, CPS. you know, CPS or something. And uh, yeah, she would make me some food, but obviously it's not gonna last a month. No. You know? So she would leave me some money so I can like order food. And like, I also by then like knew how to cook, but like for instance, and to this day, I still don't really understand what she went for. I, she kept saying business and stuff. Now as an adult, I wonder if it was like stuff for my dad or mm. something, you know, like I know one of the times she had to go to get me registered or like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff, like trying to be like, you can't, like you can't ignore that you have a child. Like, I don't think it was that, but I also don't know. You know yeah. what I mean? In fact, when I was younger, my friends and I used to joke about how my mom was like a secret agent or right. like a spy or right. something like that, or an assassin. Espionage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Cause it's like so unassuming, this like small five foot right, two right. woman, like being an assassin is like hilarious, you know? But <laughs> one of those times, cool. yeah, it would be cool. <laughs> To this thing, I'm still like, home, though. were you? you know, <laughs> yeah, like, right. were you? At the very least, we could write something about it, like a fun short story. Yeah, <laughs> because like as a woman, maybe you could just like poison people and like just right. unassumingly, you know what I yeah. mean? Like you don't have to be this like Nikita, right, you know, right. but. But she could be. She could be, I don't know. But one of those times, I think I was like 16 and I was staying over my friend's house after church. And I happened to wake up early to go to the bathroom. I think it was like 7 a.m. And I hear his mom in her room, like right next to the bathroom on the phone with the door closed, not hearing me, but I heard her talking about my mom. And she was basically like, yeah, she just like obviously went to Korea to do whatever. And she just like left her child with us. And I was like, uh, I'm not no, left with she you. did it. I was like, I came to church and me and your son wanted to do something. We asked if I could sleep over right. and you said yes. So that's how I ended up here. You're but not my caregiver, fuck you. Yeah, so that was like my first instance when I was like, I don't really trust these people. And then I started noticing how some of them like looked at my mom or treated my mom or didn't yeah. include my mom, like all the moms, you know what mm -hmm, I mean? Mm -hmm. And then like, as I got older, I found out that like one of the deacons in our church was like beating his wife. Jeez. And like the times like she wouldn't come to church cause she was sick. I was like, oh my God, it's she, because she had like a right. bruised face. You know what I mean? So like. That's when I was just like started realizing that a lot of it is just politics and for like status right. and all of this, money. you know, yeah, money or like to wash your guilt away yeah. or whatever it is, like and hide it. Is that, and that was another thing I questioned too. Yeah. As I got a little bit older, I was like, so like my parents don't come to church, but everything's okay once they fork it over, like all of a sudden, like it's okay now. You, you can, you know, you're, you're good with us again. It's like you're yeah. in good standing again. I'm like, that feels wrong. And yeah. like, what about people who don't have money? Like how do they just have to live with their sins forever? Right. <laughs> like they don't get to absolve their sins. Like how did it just, it just, I don't know. I don't want to turn this conversation about religion cause it feels like where it's going. <laughs> no, but, but like, and then it was like sad because then I would watch like my mom, like all the older grandmothers with like loved my mom, you know? Cause it was like, they judged her for who she was mm -hmm. and what she did and how she treated them not like this right. stigma of being a single mother, you know, but 
I think all of that also like helped me stay grounded in my Koreanness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, or like the Korean, you know, base foundation that I had. But yeah, I also grew up with my grandmother. She, I think she treated me like I was her redemption mm. because she wasn't, from what I'm learning now, actually recently, she wasn't the greatest mom to her five kids. And, you know, she had a lot of like mental health stuff. I think she was going through without any resources yeah. and then, you know, like really messed up stuff happened, which I guess we could talk about in another time. But she was like going through her own stuff when she was a mother. And I think she saw me as a chance to like make up for it because mm-hmm. like here is her grandson from one of her single mothers. And like mm-hmm. my mom also probably struggled the most growing up. So I think there was a lot of that. But I also grew up with my grandmother and we would also watch TV together. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, like I think we also watched some game shows, but the one I remember the most is like we used to watch. Let's make a deal. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it just popped oh. in my head. Oh god, I feel so much relief right now. It just like popped. I was like, oh, that's what you do. I got it. Oh, okay, sorry. I was about to cry. So thank you sorry. for snapping me out of that because I was like, don't cry, don't cry. <laughs> See, laughing, yeah. like they say, my favorite emotion. But we used to watch Full House together. Oh, cute. Which is like the most ridiculous show yeah. ever. But yeah. I think there was just something so wholesome about family. Right. And I think just like well, game also, shows. It was an unconventional family. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. But I think just like game shows, it was like you didn't really have to understand right. the language to know what was going on. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like you could just kind of pick up on the context. Mm-hmm. Like storylines are pretty basic. Right. If they're they, very they're universal. Smiling, they're happy. If they're yeah. not smiling, they're sad. It's pretty Something basic. happened. Oh, right. she did something that was bad. Like, right, oh, right, she right. hid something, lied, you know? Or like, oh, DJ's going through anorexia you know like it's very obvious (laughs) to see right you know um so i think we connected a lot on that but i grew up speaking korean you know like in fact to the point was when i started going to school because no one in the home ever read english books to me i actually had a really hard time learning english Mm. when i was younger like it would take me like five minutes to read one page because I had to like sound out the words. Like I hadn't had word association yet, you know, where you could just look at a word now and you don't have to read it. You just see it. You know what it is. You know what it is. You recognize it. But back then I had to like sound everything out right? and it would take forever, Mm, which is, yeah, which was like weird because like I was excelling in everything else, just not English. That's actually really funny. It reminds me of, um, so my, like I said, my older sister is six years older than I am. So by the time she was, by the time I got to school, I'd been speaking English with her, you know, pretty much, you know, the whole time. But I remember so vividly, it was first grade, first day of first grade. And it was me, Angie, Sonia, David, and Roy. Oh my God. You remember all their names? Oh yeah. Well, because they were the only other Korean kids in the whole school, aside from my sister. They, we, they all called us in. We all had to go to the library together. And they sat with us with, I guess, um, some resource person. I don't even know who. And they're like, can you tell me what's happening in this picture? I was like, I remember the picture. It's a little boy. He's sitting on like a, at the doctor and he's getting a Band-Aid on his knee. Why do you think he's getting a Band-Aid on his knee? I don't know. Maybe he fell down. Do you think he's happy or sad? Um, he's probably really sad that he fell down, but maybe he's happy because he has a Band-Aid down. And she's, she's She's testing me to see if I speak English. And she only picked me and the four other Korean kids out of that class to go see if we all spoke English. They all spoke English just like I spoke English. But I didn't realize that that was what was happening until years later. And I remember all of us coming back into class, none of the other kids were asked to go. 
None of the other kids were asked to go. Like this kid could be French. This kid could be from Denmark or like speak only Russian or like, you know, speak only Ethiopian or Nigerian. Like not one other kid was tested in that room that oh day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they like corralled us and like, go, go see, if, let's go see if you speak English. I remember it specifically. And I think it's such a, like, it's so burned in my brain. I remember the picture. The next picture was a little girl holding a yellow balloon. What is she holding in her hand? It's a yellow balloon. Where do you think she got it? I don't know. Maybe she's at like a fair or something. You know, they, they kept asking, like prompting me with questions. And I'm like- How many questions do you have to, how many how many sentences do you have to hear to be like, well, they speak English? Well, that's what I was thinking English. too. And I, I, think, I think there was, after that, it was like, okay, she's, she's good. She can go back to class. So I remember that so What vividly. was the point to see if you needed to go to ES? I think so. I think so. I think that was what it was. And it was just us, which was so funny. Cause it's like, how many other kids in that school didn't speak English, but spoke a different language other than like Asian, but they, they, I don't know. They took us all first. When you crazy? started telling that story, I was like, I don't know where this is <laughs> heading. I was like, why did they pick you guys? What is with that weird question? I was like, what's happening? <laughs> Imagine how I felt. I was six, Yeah, you know? So, I remember like so vividly. And so language has always kind of been something that I've been very conscious about. And then conversely, you know, because I didn't speak a lot of Korean, whenever I would try to speak Korean, the older Korean people in my life would always make fun of me. Laugh, I hate when they laugh. I fucking hate it. Yeah. They would laugh at me and they, I would say like, oh, I'm in the second grade, but I didn't know how to say grade. So I'd say, you know, whatever. I'd say it in Korean and then I'd say blah, 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 grade. And they would laugh because I didn't know how to say it or whatever. And so that just made me feel so insecure and so self-conscious that I only spoke Korean at home to my parents who would never make fun of me for speaking Korean. But over time, that must be nice. because, I, <laughs> because I didn't use it, I lost it and I lost so much of it. And like, even now when people are like, oh, do you watch Korean dramas or do you listen to Korean music? I don't, I don't. Cause I don't, I don't, for the most part, I can understand a lot of it, but not most of it. I haven't spoke, I don't speak fluently in Korean. Yeah. I've never said that I have. And I, I really, it bums me out. It's really sad to me that, you know, I can understand my parents speaking Korean and like, I can completely understand. Like I can go to a restaurant and get by and be fine. Yeah. But I'm so self-conscious of it that I try, almost try not to speak Korean if I can help it. Just cause I, that, that trauma is there. Huh. Fucked up? Yeah, that is fucked up. I don't know. And it's mostly my aunt on my mother's side. That fucking I'm not gonna say which one because there's a few of them. She knows don't who she know is. If they're listening. <laughs> and if you're one of my cousins and you're listening, I'm sorry, but you know your mom was kind of a bitch to me. <laughs> we can all agree on that. See you at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Awkward Thanksgiving. <laughs> she loves my cooking, so she, so she won't miss it. No. So she'll shut up and eat. And like, I don't even like blame her. Like I'm like I get it. Like it's. It's, it's just unaware. odd to think that a Korean person with Korean parents from Korea doesn't speak Korean, but it's like, you're one of the reasons I don't. Right. <laughs> you're, you have a, you single-handedly could have been the person that made me so self-conscious of it that I don't. You know, like here, when Korean people speak Korean to me, I just respond in English if I know they speak English. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't need to do that. <laughs> I don't need to subject myself to that right now. I'm not going to. Yeah, like I'm so not used to speaking to Korean elders in English that like even when they speak English to me, I feel obligated to speak Korean because I'm like, like I <laughs> don't, yeah. Cause like, cause like even my mom, like I text her in Korean, even though my Korean is horrible, especially like from a spelling standpoint. And I could, I couldn't get by. <laughs> this is the one that triggers me the most is when my mom doesn't respond and she just responds with spelling and grammatical corrections. And I'm like, 
Please uh, don't. I'm making an effort here. Please really make me not trigger want to. the fuck out of me. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm trying to make an effort. Please don't do this. You know yeah. what I mean? And luckily with the advanced technology, the voice to text helps a lot. You know what I mean? Cause like, I don't have to type it anymore. Not when I just, my mom texts me. <laughs> just say it. She's, my mom texts me. Oh, I was here. You yeah. were here and she was trying to voice to text me. I think, oh, cause we just got her an Apple watch for her birthday. And she was trying to say, mommy is home. But it came out, mommy's a whore. And I got it while I was with Ed and I screamed, laughed. I had to run out of the room because I was, was like, what? It was right after we got done recording a podcast, <laughs> it happened. And I was like, what just happened? I couldn't even get the words. I was like, just look at what it says. And he goes, mommy's a whore. I was like, what is happening? I think she's trying to tell me she's home. <laughs> it's not, that's not what she meant. And she's not one. <laughs> Also, mom, don't slut shame. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of a time when one time I was driving with my roommate um, back from our business. We were, we were closed for the day and we're driving home. And I remember I wrote something. I like asked Siri to remind me to get dog food on the way home. Mm -hmm. I literally was like, hey, Siri, remind me to get dog food like in an hour or whatever. And she, and she responded to me. She's like, reminder to. She's like, reminder to have you eat dog for food. And I was like, Trigger. Oh, you racist bitch. I was like, that is so racist. I was like, how dare you? That's so funny. See, those triggers, man, they're everywhere. Oh, that's really funny. Like, you know, and then like on the flip side of things, my mother has always said that she like feels sad because we can't, we have always not been able to communicate as deeply as she may have wanted to. Like we're much better about it now, yeah. but like as I was like younger and a teenager when things were so important and I was growing up and I was like learning about the world and I was trying to understand like, I don't know, like relationships and my body and school and like all these things, I couldn't really come to her with these things right. because I didn't know how to communicate them to her yes. effectively. And she didn't know how to respond back effectively. Right. And there are some things that she just, like ideas or like she would start to say things in a certain way and whether or not she meant to, it felt like it was a judgment just because of the words that she was using and her vocabulary was limited. And so I'd be like, are you judging me? She'd be like, literally no, yeah. I'm not. I'm trying to convey an idea to you. Or then I would say something to her and she'd be like, that's disrespectful. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it, like what? what? Yeah. You know, so there was always like breakdowns in communication and that really affected our relationship for a long time. But now, I can see that she makes these efforts. Like we were in Vegas and we had saved up for my dad's 80th birthday. Like my sisters and I saved and saved and saved for like over a year. Cause we wanted it to be really special. Yeah. And she says, um, you know, and so my dad, whenever we were younger, like in our early twenties and we'd go to Las Vegas, which is like their favorite place. Most Korean parents will tell you. Why do they love gambling God, they so fucking much. love it. Why? But my dad was really cute. And every time he'd see us, he'd be like, you want hundred dollars? And he just can't us hundred dollars to go like play slot oh, machines. Oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah. And, you know, whatever. And then that tapered off obviously as we got older, but for his 80th birthday, we decided every time we see him, we're gonna be like, dad, you want hundred dollars? And we'd like hand him a hundred dollars and it was really cute. And like, we took him out to a really nice dinner and we went to see a show and it was so wonderful. And my mom's like, what are you doing? And she said that to me and I was just like, why are you spending all this money? You don't even have money. And to me, it sounds like, you know, you don't work hard enough, so you don't have any money. You shouldn't be spending money like this. Right, right. But she stopped herself. She goes, wait, I don't mean it like that. 
what I'm saying is we're your parents and we want to provide for you. We don't want you to feel like you have to do that for us, but we know it's because you love us yeah, and that you yeah, want yeah. to. And so she really tried, but that phrase, you know, you don't even have money in Korean is so fucking triggering to me, but she like caught it and she's like, oh, wait, 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 okay, wait, this is one of my opportunities to communicate effectively with my daughter. Wow. <laughs> and she really tried and she's like, that's not what I mean. Cause she could sense that I was like, what, why are you saying that to me right now? And she was like, I'm, I'm trying to tell you what I really mean and how this actually is, what, how this is processing in my mind. I'm saying like, I love you, thank you for all this. But it came out this way as like, stop doing that. You're doing too much. Yeah, you know, we yeah, appreciate yeah. it, but you have to stop because we don't want you to spend your money on us. And I was like, that's a really huge growth moment for us, both like linguistically, but also like emotionally. And I realized like, sadly, how much we maybe missed out on each other because we couldn't communicate effectively. Yeah. And like, that is definitely something that I regret. Um, but fortunately I'm lucky enough that I can still correct that with her and with my dad too. Like my dad doesn't say I didn't, my growing up the whole time never said I love you. Doesn't, it's just not a thing. I've hugged my dad very few times in my life. It's just not like a thing that Korean dads do, or at least my Korean dad and every Korean dad I've ever really yeah. talked to or about. Mostly, yeah. But now, <laughs> He says, I love you all the time. And it's really funny to me. Like, it's so like out of character. I'm like, okay, well, I love you. <laughs> I love you too, dad. And then he, you know, told me like, I tried to tell you that I love you in different ways. I just wasn't the kind of person who knew how to verbalize it. Yeah. But you know, now that he's 82 years old, <laughs> he's trying. Probably the grandchildren helps. Oh my God. Yeah. Helps so much. Yeah. So. Here's another funny story. When the girls were young, like baby young, my parents live like up on top of this hill and the sun just beams down on their house and it gets really, really hot in the summer. Mm -hmm. And he was getting those like little like um, air conditionings put in all over the house, like those LG, like Korean air conditionings. Like yeah, the ones that go on the wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. In every single room of the house, every single one. Whoa. And I was like, now? you're getting these? He's like, yeah, I can't make my grandkids uncomfortable. And I was like, flashback to me and my younger sister in our underwear, laying in the coldest hallway with wet towels on our bodies, trying not to fucking die. And I was like, now you want to make them? Yes, yeah, make, let's make the grandkids comfortable. I was like, it's okay. This is this, this is his way. This is, and I'm not going to fight him. And so then the house is nice and cool. The temperature is perfect. That's really funny. I feel like that's the same thing that happened with my mom and I, because when you were like, hey, when I, I try to like, even if I try to watch Korean shows or music, like I don't understand most of it. I am somewhat fluent conversationally, mm -hmm. but my vocabulary is capped at like fourth or fifth grade level. Mm -hmm. Like when you start talking about adult things, which right. is what they talk about in shows right. and in songs, mm -hmm. those words I don't understand. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like they start talking about finances right. and like business. Right. Government and like, policies. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, oh, what are they mm -hmm. saying? You know, so like, I totally understand your, what you're saying. And I didn't really understand that that may be the disconnect that my mom had until you started talking about it. Cause I'm realizing now that my mom's English is capped off at a pretty low level. Yeah. So the words that we needed to be able to communicate some of the more nuanced or yeah, sophisticated, like the sophisticated topics. topics and stuff. Like we just didn't have the capacity right. to talk about right. it. And even like now, like my younger daughters, they're only eight and 11, but we talk about very complex subject matter now. And we talk about the world and we talk about politics and we talk about personal growth and we talk about relationships and so many like 
concepts that are far beyond, you know, just like, have you eaten today? You know, what are you going to wear tomorrow? What are you, you know, like, it's just like whatever. And those are things I'm realizing now as a mom that I missed out on with my mother. And I don't, maybe she didn't want to talk about it. I don't know. And so these were things that I realized, like I haven't really communicated with my mother. Um, and, and now, I mean, obviously more so now we communicate these kinds of things, but at, at 11, I wasn't talking about these things with my mother. No. You know, I was talking about gun violence with my 11 year old. And I was talking about politicians with her. And we're talking about like interpersonal relationships with her friends and the complexities of, you know, socialization. And, you know, like really like, sophisticated topics yeah. that I just never had a chance to, to express with my mom. That, that kind of bums me out. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we, we made the best of what we, you know, what we had. We did, but I'm now realizing that it would have been so much easier if we had to, like we wouldn't have had so much to figure out on our own. Right. That's absolutely true. And like, as much as I didn't have patience with my mom when I was younger, not to blame anyone or, you know, not take accountability. Cause I definitely do. Cause I've, if not, I wouldn't have worked so hard on right. like my demeanor, anger issues and things like that. But a lot of it was learned behavior. Of course. You know what I mean? Like when I didn't understand something instead of my mom explaining it to me and she still does it to this day it's and I yell at her about it cause it triggers me. And she just says these words. She's like, yeah. she's like, even if I told even you, if I tried to tell you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't understand. understand. Like, so are you, am I dumb? Right. But like, why don't you try to explain? Like, why don't you right. just tell me what that means or like right. help me expand my vocabulary? So I think that shortness was something that I learned and that frustration right. was like a learned behavior. But as her well. frustration was also her own projection of her own frustrations yeah. for not understanding those same things in conversely. So it's like a really horribly vicious cycle where it's right. like, it doesn't matter what came first, the chicken or the egg. Right. We just kept viciously fucking right. each other up. Right. And then you just both then just leave not understanding each other right. and then resenting the other person for it, you know? So, I mean, I think, but that's, that's the whole thing, right? As you're saying like, oh, as you're saying this, I'm remembering this, or you're saying this, that's why these conversations to me have been invaluable. Like you'll say something and I'm like, totally, yes, that's the thing. Or like, oh, maybe that was why I felt that way about that certain thing. And I think having these conversations, especially about being children of immigrants, like, language barrier is such a big thing. And I don't hear a lot of people talking about it with their own parents. There are some friends that I have that have, you know, Spanish speaking parents that don't speak, you know, any English and they barely speak any Spanish. So I know that they're living in that same reality where they're trying to like, say like, I'm trying to express to you these important things that are happening in my life, but I don't have the language to, to express it. And the limited language that I have is giving you a completely different story as to what I'm trying to tell you. And it's so frustrating. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think that resonated a lot with a lot of people last time too, cause like a lot of people left and I just want to take a second to like, thank everyone for sharing all of their stories. There was a lot of people who were like, I used to blame my mom for a lot or like my parents for a lot of things. And I didn't realize until you spoke about yeah. what happened with your mom that like I screwed up my parents right. too. You right. know what I mean? And it's right. resentment works both ways. It does. And I think it's like very therapeutic to not only talk about it, but to hear other people talk about it. And then, like you said, it reminds you of things that you right. may or may not have done. You right. start making those connections. And that's like healing because the thing about communication is, is any relationship what is the common denominator when there are problems? It's communication. communication right, absolutely. And no, like you said, people aren't talking about the fact that sometimes with immigrant parents, there is a lack of communication between the parents and the children. Mm -hmm, completely. And I think that's like a 
beginning of where a lot of the resentment problems, anger issues, and all of that stems from is because you don't have anyone to help you navigate things. And in your mind, especially living in an American society where the parents are supposed to be this like guide in right. life. You know what I mean? And like, right. not only are immigrant parents working all the time, they don't have the time to do it, but they also don't have the resources because we are just missing the communication aspect. Right. I, as a kid, I experienced so many like instances of microaggressions and like, even like sexual, I don't want to say assaults, but like, you know, sexual like misconduct from various people or, you know, really harmful, hurtful words from classmates. And I never went to my parents because I was like, they're not going to understand. Right. So where do I go? Right. Or like all the things that I wanted, needed to learn about, like drugs and sex and, you know, the, the, the violence, I mean, everything. I learned from other places. I didn't learn them from my parents. And I just recently... Watch, was watching an episode of Gilmore Girls with my daughter. She like loves this show and she wants me to watch it with her. I was like, I've never seen it, but like, okay, fine. And it's a very cute show and I think it's whatever. She's like, we watch, can we paint our nails and watch Gilmore Girls? I'm like, sure. Not something I did with my mom. But I was like, sure. And so Lorelai says the word sex. And I instantly can kind of sense my daughter just not tense up, but she definitely sees that she hears that word and she knows. And I looked at her, I was like, hey, what's, do you know what sex is? And she was like, oh my God, mom, don't ask me that. I was like, do you know what sex is? I was like, or when somebody says the word sex, what do you think? She goes, well, I kind of know what it is. I'm like, well, can you kind of tell me what you think? And she goes, it's when a penis and vagina touch and it makes a baby. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like, great. Anatomically, that's for the most part, correct. Or for what you need to know as an 11 year old girl, that is correct. This is not something, a conversation I ever had with my own mother. Ever. Ever. I'm yeah. convinced my parents still think I'm a virgin and I have two children. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I don't, we don't say those words because we know beyond those words, that conversation is too hard to have because right. we won't understand what the other is saying. Right. So we don't even talk about it at all. We never even broach the topic of sex. But now I can communicate so effectively with my daughter because we have the same language. And I can say that is right. And if you want to know anything beyond that, when you're ready, let's talk about it. And the only person I want you to talk about it with is me or daddy or your doctor or somebody at school, you know, and I can tell her and give her those resources and give her the ability and the, you know, positive reinforcement to continue co that conversation with me where my mother didn't have that. And so I had to learn it elsewhere. And I know that I learned a lot of harmful, incorrect, misinformed things about the world. And I had to learn it on my own. And a lot of times in ways that I would never want my own daughter to learn it, you know? So I don't know. I think that's just such an important thing for us as children of immigrants to like understand and embrace. And hopefully if we can try to mend those things with, with the people in our lives. Yeah. Cause that's, that's the thing is, is like, I'm a part of this Facebook group called subtle Asian mental health. Mm. And there's a lot of. You're on Facebook still? Yeah. I don't know why. It's crazy. I don't. What do you. Did you delete? Do you not? I, I haven't opened it. I mean, I'm probably going to delete it, but I haven't opened it in. I want forever. to delete it. The only time I open it is if I think there's been an earthquake. Because <laughs> people on the like message boards are like, yeah, yeah, earthquake yeah. 4.2 is centered out of blah, blah, blah. I'm like, good to know. <laughs> I think the only reason I stay on Facebook is for some of those groups. Yeah. Uh, and not that I need it for anything, but sometimes like it just, I, I need a distraction from my, my Other destructive stuff. brain. You know yeah. what I mean? But there's this like, there's a lot of trauma 
and hurt in that group because there's okay. a lot of like, you know, a lot of our parents, our Asian parents like went through hard times, you know yeah. what I mean? And they didn't have the resources that we have available. And of course, I think a lot of them, and I don't ever want to say any of this because it's, I don't want them to like feel like they're not valid in how they feel or anything. But sometimes I think we do have to remember to humanize and give our parents grace, like of we've course. said before, because there's a lot of things that we do in reciprocation that to us, to them, them to us. Mm -hmm. And it's, sad because like a lot of those times you don't recognize those things until you become older right. when it's like sometimes, sometimes too, late too late or it's already happened and or there, there's so much resentment that it's you can't even go back right you know, or even though you like want to theoretically in practice like all of so this emotion hard. and this like mm -hmm. reaction just comes out that's right. subconscious that just got embedded in you you know sometimes when there are topics that come up even with my parents now, and I try really hard to be as communicative as I possibly can. But there are some topics that like hurt me so badly or like I'm so fucking traumatized by that I can't even get the words out if I want to because mm. I either just start to cry or like the rage and anger is so, so massive that I just can't even get the words out. And I'm like, I can't even have this conversation. And I just like walk away because I just, I can't do it. And I think that's, that's the whole, the issue that I have with my parents right now is just trying to like mend those things, but get past them in a way that like I can have like a healthy conversation about it. And then even they will like be like, I don't want to talk about this. Why are you even bringing this up? That that's, you know, are you just, sometimes when you say those things, I feel like you're just saying those things to hurt my feelings. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm trying to communicate. So there's a lot, there's so much there. Yeah. That happens too with my mom. Yeah. A lot of times I'll try to explain to her, but because she'll like focus on like my tone or the fact mm -hmm. that like my loud voice got a smidgen louder. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, we're now missing out on trying to communicate what our issues are right. and nothing gets resolved. Like the amount of times I had to tell my mom to please stop making comments about my weight. I can't even open that fucking Pandora's box right now. <laughs> oh my God. You know what I mean? But that's the thing is, is that like without completely opening that box, I think there's like a misunderstanding in cultural oh, yeah. communication. Are you know you what I mean? Me? In the Asian language, like you don't say, hey, how are you? You say, hey, have you, did you eat? Have you eaten? It's like, it's, that's just how you express care, love right. between family, even friends. Sure. You meet up and you're like, especially the older one, because you know that. Yeah you always meet up and you say, Hey, did you eat yet? Right. You know what I mean? And you right. feed through love. Whenever we go out and eat, I'm like, eat more. Let's eat more. <laughs> you know? yeah. that's, that's how it is. That's how you're supposed to be. Exactly. And I wonder if some of the weight stuff is there in that similar way. It's, it's just like, because we grew up in America, it hits different for us. I can't talk about my weight with my mother. I have struggled with my weight my whole life. Same. I have been every weight, every level of fitness. I have been like, very heavy to like ripped and like I've lived in every body type and my mother always notices no matter which way it is. And like, I can feel this like disappointment in her when I don't look a certain way and that hurts me so deeply, but she's never communicated with me like, oh, I just wanna make sure that you're healthy and I wanna make sure that you're doing things that are good for your body. It was never about that. It's just, you look fat. Right. And I was like, is this one of those like tonopso kind of things? <laughs> We're here trying to say one thing, but it's yeah. coming out a very different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cause really that hurt me so bad. And it makes me like not want to eat around you. It makes me not want to, you know, be in a bathing suit near you or like anything, you know? So I've tried to talk about it with her, but it's still one of those subjects that like, when I get to like the precipice of talking, I'm like, 
don't do it. Don't do it. It's just going to make you sad and it's going to make you very upset. Just don't do it with her right yeah. now. I mean, even up until like not that long ago, every time my mom would bring it up, I would just yell. I would just be like, I told you to not mm. talk about my weight. You know what I mean? And mm. like. Does your mom talk about other people's weight? Like people passing by? Nah, not really. No? Because I know that fat phobia in the Korean culture and society is a huge thing. For sure. A huge yeah. thing. And I heard Korean women who I sometimes I don't even know walk by somebody else who is heavier or whatever and say like crazy, like mean, horrible, fat phobic things. And I know culturally that a lot of them are that way. So like, that's another reason I've been like, I don't wanna be around Korean. My older sister is so fucking traumatized by this, these, you know, Korean people that she's known that she, I think has the same feelings that I do when feeling, talking about weight and things come up. She's same thing. She's same body type as me. We've both been through like the gamut or whatever. And uh, that's always been such a hot button topic. Like it's so hard for us to talk about it. It's fucking traumatizing. Yeah, a lot of the Asian societies, Korean specifically is like very fat phobic. Oh my God. I don't know why. Does it, does it have to do with the war? Cause then you would think that like wanting to be fat and overindulgent right. is like something you will Like Renaissance like, paintings, for. right? You should right. want to be like fuller bodied. That means you're eating and that you're nourished. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what it is either, but it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. I you guess, know? but not by me, not today. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> not, no, I wasn't. That's not where I was going with I was like, yeah, I, no, can't. I don't have that fight in me. Uh, you know, it's even funny too, though, is that people in the same house can experience things differently, right? My older sister, myself, and my younger sister, I'll talk to my sister, my youngest sister, about certain things with my parents, feelings. Like I had this very, like, very depressive state not long ago, and the recurring intrusive thought I kept having was, dad's going to die someday, and you don't know your dad. Daddy's gonna die and you don't you barely know him. And it was just this recurring thing. And I was so sad about it. And I was so depressed. And I would like cry every day thinking about it. And I cried thinking about it right now. And she's like, What are you talking about? Of course you know dad. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm like, I don't know anything about him. Or I feel like I don't know so much about his like young adulthood. And she's like, and I was like, I just feel like I don't communicate with him. And I feel like I'm gonna lose him someday. I'm gonna have such deep regrets. And she's like, What are you talking about? That's great. We, we, we talk all the time and I'm like, I was like, but don't you remember when we were young, he would be like this and that. She was like, no, I don't remember that way at all. I'm like, were we in the same fucking house? Are you kidding? And she's like, no, she's like, I don't know. She's like, you're just very, you're just so much more emotional than I am. And I'm like, are you dead inside? Because that's what it sounds like to me. Like you fucking robot. Like, what are you talking about? But my sister's wonderful. She's amazing, but like, the way that she experienced the world is so different than the way I did. I think right. my needs were just so different than hers. And she just was like, so even that, she's like, I, I feel like I communicate great with mom and dad. And I'm like, that's so weird. It's so weird that you can feel like that. Her personality maybe just like was more better fit for the way they right. adult like parented. Or maybe as the third kid, maybe I broke them in, in a way that they were yeah. like, maybe I can be more open, you know, or whatever because it wasn't that way for me at all. And so, I don't know, I find it's, maybe we'll have my sisters come in, we can interview them. 
I want to know what the fuck was going on with you guys. And my older sister feels that way too. She's like, <laughs> maybe it's maybe just, it's just yeah. me. I need I mean, more. <laughs> I relate to you because I think maybe that's how it was with me too. But maybe they're just different. The, yeah, and that's the thing, and that's something I have to reconcile too. Is like maybe our communication skills are different, and their means of communication and the things that we find fulfilling are different. But like, I'm like, I need more from mom and dad. I need them to be more emotional. I need them to be more supportive. I need them to be this. And they're like, they're awesome. What are you talking about? I'm like, I think they're awesome too. I'm not saying they're not awesome. I just need them to be awesome I in different ways for more. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always been kind of the odd man out with my sisters. Um, I've always been much more, I guess, look at me and more emotional so that I'm sure being the middle child has something to do with it. Birth order is always a thing. Yeah, I, I mean, know. there's literally accounts where they just make fun of the first, second, first, <laughs> last, and middle child, I you know? know, so. I'm awesome. But it could be. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's all my fault. <laughs> you never know. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm, I'm sure it's just like, I don't think parents nowadays understand, well, hopefully they're starting to understand that like different kids need need things differently, different their love languages are different, the right. way that they respond to the environment is different. That's funny now that you Our say parents that. didn't know any of right. that. I think that's actually absolutely true. Even the way I parent my two daughters is very different. They're very different. As kids. it should be. Yeah, they're you know not, yeah. why would I expect my two completely different autonomous humans to be the same right. and raise them the same? You know, my younger daughter is really emotional and she gets, I showed her the story about, I guess, the Mars rover, one of the rovers was left out oh, and it no. died and it yeah. said all these sad things. Ed, she cried hysterically. Oh my God. Hysterically. And she just stood there, ah, <laughs> like mourning its death. And I was like, I'm sorry I showed you that. Are you okay? And I was like, kind of like nervously giggling because I was like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> And my older daughter was like, yeah, that was fucking sad. And she's like, what? Like, like, it was nothing. So why in the world would I ever expect that these two people could be parented the same way and yeah. get the best out of me both in, you know, at once. So I think that's really important. It is. And I, maybe I, you were too, but I was a very sensitive kid, oh you know, it was like so sensitive. I was always sensitive. crying. I cried all the time. Yeah, I used to cry all the time. I used to get bullied for it. And that's when I was like in fifth grade, I was like, you know what? If I don't want to get bullied, I have to be more bully. Like, yeah. you know, without the bullying part. Right. That's, that's Which is just being aggressive, you know? My youngest cries all the time. And like, I get really triggered by that because I'm like, don't cry. I, I don't say it to her. I think it. Stop crying. People think you're, you know, like you're so sensitive. You have to toughen up. These are all just my internal monologue, monologues, but now I realize that these are just the Trauma. things that people have been telling me to do my whole life. Yeah. Stop crying. Don't, like, don't, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I can't help it. I can't help, I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm sad. I cry when I'm scared. I cry when I'm confused. Like I just cry. <laughs> yeah. That's just how my body responds to whatever I'm feeling. And same with her. But my older daughter is like, you can't cry at school all the time. Everybody's gonna you know, think, I'm like, oh no, don't traumatize her, wait. It's okay for her to cry. She's just expressing her emotions. This is how she does it. You lash out, she cries. Oh jeez. My older daughter is so scary. <laughs> She's so mean to me. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> she makes me cry. <laughs> well. Better be nicer to your younger daughter because <laughs> she's the one that's going to take care of you. Right. <laughs> Ain't going to be the older one because she's mean as hell. No, I'm just kidding. No, she's great, but you know, the, and then, you know, sibling dynamics. I mean, there's just so much. There's just so much. But I think at the the base of this, at the, the very most important takeaway, I think, is just 
try to communicate the best you can. Yes. Open it up the, the however you can because the other side of it is you you understand so much more, not just like verbally, but like emotionally. Right. I understand so much more about my parents with those just tiny little windows into 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 their lives by communicating in the best way we possibly can. Right. And speaking from experience, it's like very easy to get frustrated because you oh, feel yeah. frustrated when you don't feel understood. How could right. you not feel frustrated? Right. You know, especially when you're like, I was very careful in the words that I chose and what I, you know what I mean? But if you really want the understanding to right. happen, you need to let go of those frustrations right. and work really hard to just like help the other person understand because that's all anybody wants. It doesn't go well either way. Yeah. You know what I mean? We just want to be heard. We want to be understood. And I think so do they. Humanity. Yeah, yeah. Right. So do they. Everybody. That's all anybody wants. I mean, like when I feel validated by somebody like, you know what? I can see why you, you thought that. And this is this makes perfect sense. It's like, thanks. That's really I appreciate that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it feels really good. But it's also like a rare thing because mm -hmm. I never got that from my parents. I never got that like. I understand why you got angry and I understand why that, you know, made you sad or scared or whatever. That was nothing. Oh my God. My mom had this rule where she didn't apologize to me. I don't think my dad's ever apologized to me. Maybe once, twice. Like my mom one time didn't speak to me for two months and didn't make me food for two months. I was eight. Oh my God, that yeah. makes me cry. I'm instantly crying. My grandma, luckily my grandma was alive. So she was like, you know, making me dinners and doing stuff. But my mom conditioned me at a young age to see other people's sides. So like I had to go up to my mom and be like, look, I understand why you're angry. I'm, I, I didn't think I did anything wrong, but I could see how this would make you angry. And I'm sorry. At eight years old? Yeah, like that summer. I mean, I also like chose to do it because I love them so much, but like I mostly ate peanut butter jelly sandwiches. And then like a little bit when it was school, my grandma would like go through like our laundry money, like the quarters and give me like lunch money. You know what I mean? So it was just like, it was tough. You know I what bet. I mean? So that's when I think about like not focusing on your emotions and frustrations for the betterment, that's the kind of stuff that I try to remind myself right. of. Like what did it feel like when your when mom yeah. focused so much on how she was hurt or right. whatever, instead of just being like, we're both hurting, right? Let's we're both hurting. It. Like, let's just figure it out. Let's squash yeah. this and move on. Cause like to this day, I need to squash things as they happen. Right. I don't like to go to sleep with unresolved issues because it triggers the shit out of I me bet. because like, I can't two months of like not talking to someone that you live with. And then that person is your only parent. Yeah, no. That's crazy. Yeah, like I can't do that. You know what I mean? Uh -uh. Like, I, I, I <laughs> to a fault, am so open when I'm feeling a certain way. Like if somebody's upset with me, I'm like, lay it on me. Why are you pissed? You are clearly upset with me. I, it's okay. Yeah. Or if there's something like awkward going on, like I'll be the person to be like, clearly this is very awkward right now because you said this and you said this and I'm feeling this. So let's just put it out there. And some people are like, God, you're just like so like, Abrasive. Uh, that's not what they say. <laughs> <laughs> Direct. Oh. <laughs> there were no abrasions. Rewind. <laughs> you're, you're so direct. Direct. Um, no, but uh, but because it's I don't that, and I think that's become my communication style because I don't like that feeling of like okay well um, nobody talk about it 
everybody just repress. Everybody just repress it, make it, it'll just go away. It doesn't go away. Yeah. It festers and it gets so much worse and then it becomes really painful and then it becomes, you know, insurmountable. Yeah. Versus like, clearly we're all thinking it. Let's just put it out there and talk about it. You're pissed at me because I said this and you're pissed because she did this. Okay, it's awkward. Or we moved it. Okay, let's move past it. Let's we move all past it. Say sorry or say sorry. Okay. No, or okay. like it's awkward. Let's just sit in the, how awkward it is now. It's very uncomfortable. We are all clearly suffering through this for this moment. Yeah. Let's get over that and let's talk about how we can resolve it. How can we make this better, different, more progress? You know, make more progress. How do how do we move through this? But you have to get through that awkward first. And I've gotten very comfortable with awkward. Maybe why you and I are friends, because you get awkward so much. <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> it's so awkward. I think I, I find joy in the awkwardness. I'm I, like, this is cool. Well, I mean, in my life, I've learned to be comedic when I feel yeah. awkward. So it That's helps. Very entertaining yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah. Like when I grew up, I looked at Chandler on Friends and I was like, oh my God, that's me. I was like, learn, learn, humor, humor. Okay. You know like, what I mean? Watching you get recognized by people in public is going to start being like my favorite thing. Oh my God, thing. I squirm so my much. favorite thing. Like you're beat red just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I do. Like, I'm literally sweating. <laughs> I hate it. We'll get used to it. But it's, but it's weird because like um, my mom never addressed anything. Mm. like that awkward thing and like yeah. getting over it. And I think that's the reason why I'm that way too, because I'm like, I don't, I can't be that. Like for instance, like the couple times in high school, my mom found weed. We never talked about it. Oh really? Yeah, no, no, no. Basically what would happen was I would come home from school, run into my room to grab my weed jar. And then the couple times I'd find that it, it was empty. That was it. And then I would get angry. My mom was at work. So then I would, not come home for a day or two. And then we just never talked about wow. it. She never was like, I found your weed. What is this? Like, you can't do that. And then like a couple months later, like a year later, she did what happened again. Mm. And then I would just like not come home for a day. And then like to this day, we still don't talk about it. We never talked about it. The only thing that happens is, is whenever I would leave the house to go out for the night or whatever, especially in college when I would come home and then go back, she would, the, as I'm leaving, she'd be like, <laughs> so she would just be like, don't, don't smoke, eat. eat weird shit. Yes. That was basically <laughs> it. That was it. That's crazy. You know what I mean? And it was like so awkward. awkward. No, see, but I don't know which one's better. Like when my dad found cigarettes in my backpack when I was like 15 or whatever, it was just full blown rage. And like, he was so mad and he screamed and it was so scary. And <laughs> like, oh my God, it was like, oh fuck. Like the whole fucking roof is about to blow out. I'm sure our next door neighbors think he's murdering you right now. Like there's no chance. Oh my God. It was really, my dad, he could get really scary. Um, and like, I think, you know, like the spanking thing was very short lived for him. Cause he was just like, I don't want to do that. Oh, uh, um, yeah, I mean, but he did. Yeah. Um, but the, the yelling would be far scarier. I'd rather get my ass kicked by <laughs> having me yell. Cause the yelling was so terrifying. Oh, that's funny. It was terrifying. Mine's the opposite. Oh really? Yeah. My mom wouldn't yell. She would just hit. Oh shit. Like, uh, I used to get spanked for even bringing home any, but you're like a foot taller than her. So I'm sure that had to stop at some point. It, did it ha it stopped at 16 when I pushed my mom. Mm. She went to hit me and I pushed her and she mm. fell back. Mm. 
and instantly I regretted it. Yeah. And from that moment on, she never raised her hand at me again, Good. which like was great for me. But also, but it was like terrible, fucked up because like it, you know what I mean? It was just fucked up both ways. And again, even that push was somewhat learned behavior. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, I learned a lot of anger issues from my mom Yeah, that I had Sounds to work like really hard to undo. Like yeah. I used to, I wasn't even allowed to get an A minus. I would get B. Jesus Christ. So like not a B, I wasn't even allowed to get an A minus. And starting from middle school, we had those um, weighted grades. So like 93 was an A minus, yeah. 92 was a B plus. So we had that from a young age. So like imagine not being able to get anything below 95. That's crazy. Which would mean that that weekend I was gonna get spanked. And then like if you flinch, it would be 10 more. Mm. And I was a sensitive kid. I flinched every time. So there oh were like God. literally Saturdays and Sundays when I would just get spanked for like seven hours. And that's what I mean when you're like, I can't even imagine what like my neighbors were thinking. Like I'm thinking back now and like, we lived in an apartment yeah. where it was really easy to hear. Jeez. And the whole time it was just me like screaming like, ah, and then that'd be like my mom getting angry or like, and like my mom had really bad anger issues. Like she helped raise her younger siblings and uh, like, we're, it's going to have to be a whole different episode, but my parents, my mom's life was like really messed up and so she had to raise like her two younger sisters and like my youngest aunt and I have commiserated on the fact that my mom was abusive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like one day when my aunt came home from school, I forget what the exacts happened, but my mom was so angry that my aunt tried to hide behind the couch. So like she, my mom couldn't reach. So my mom went and grabbed a broom and just started smacking her in the head. She was like, I'm going to keep hitting you until you get out of there. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And like, it was like a, it wasn't funny, but like when I was a kid, it used to be this funny thing because like my mom was like the sweetest, nicest Asian lady to everyone. Mm -hmm. She was like, you know, even at the Kumon Center, everyone knew her as like the nice, she didn't raise her voice. She was like the nicest person. And, that's, and I knew someone completely different. Yeah. I knew my mom as the person who like one time, I couldn't even remember what it was about, but she got so mad at me that she grabbed one of those like really thick glass candy jars. You know what I mean? With mm -hmm. like that little the rubber top thing, uh -huh. yeah. She picked that up. She wailed it at my head as hard as she could. And I barely dodged it as it flew past my head. This is how she hard, hard she threw it. It lodged into the drywall and got stuck. <sighs> God. I was like 11. I could have died. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so you know what I mean? So like. Well, then I want to just say I'm really sorry to you and anybody else when I said I'd rather get beat than have my dad yell at me because yeah, that is a totally. I didn't think it was I'm insensitive. Sorry. No, you're no, okay. I know, but even just saying that and hearing what you said, like, I'm like, I should not have said that. I'm sorry to you and I'm sorry to no, everyone No, yeah, else. thank you. But you, yeah, that's not necessary. But yeah, it's just. Uh, it was tough. That's fucking gnarly. That's really crazy. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine. I, like, I don't get physical as much. You know what I yeah. mean? I don't. Like, even in my angers, I never did. I just, like, go from fine to red line and angry yeah. 
and resentful. And like I had to work a lot on that, you know? I'm and sure. like most you of have. mine was like I, verbally. I would never, I would never suspect any of that. You seem like such an even guy and you I seem try to so be. like yeah. calm and measured and you don't seem, even in your videos when you would have righteous anger, you're still really, really calm, yeah. you know? So I try to be, I do why am I perfect? No, I'm human, you know, like, but um, I've always been pretty aware not to be physical. It's just my, I just didn't know how to regulate my emotions. Right, of course, you were not taught. I wasn't taught. And that's something that I think people need to be taught. I wasn't right. taught that either. And that just goes back to language once again, because yeah. like we, maybe if we had the vocabulary, maybe it wouldn't have gotten so physical. Right. I With my mom, I think she had anger issues that she's like just working on in the last like 10 years yeah. herself, but. Or even if, if she could have expressed to you where and how she got to be the way she was, that could have afforded you some compassion towards her, which could then have given her compassion towards you. You know what I mean? Like those little things, those little words and the communication just unlocks so many other things that I yeah. think lead to that understanding and that mutual compassion for each other. So where I am with my mother now is, is that I keep trying to get her to have more conversations with me, but she doesn't want to open up about, like all the history that I know about my mom and my family, I learned from my youngest aunt and she almost told me begrudgingly because yeah. she's like, I know your mom nor the rest of my siblings want you to really know any of this stuff, you know? Cause once again, they were like, we're making a pack. We're leaving all our trauma behind and we're just going to move forward. Especially cause like all the familial shame that comes in yeah. Korean society. But I say to my mom too, and I, you know, you said this earlier, but I say to her, I was like, doesn't it make you sad that you are going to die one day and I don't know who you are and you don't really know who I am? Because I ask her, I'm like, tell me, cause like, I don't think my mom realizes that me hearing about her trauma, her childhood and all that stuff is going to be healing for me and her. Yeah. Cause like, it'll help me to understand why I went through so much stuff. And like, even though I understand some of it now, I think it would hit differently to hear it from my mom. I bet it would. God it. damn it. <laughs> this, is, this is the crying portion of yeah. the show. But like, there's so much would be explained if I could just hear her, what she went through. You know what I mean? Even the part where like, why she chose to run away from my dad when she found out she was pregnant. Like all that stuff, like I feel like I would need to hear it from her than my aunt, you know what I mean? And it's nice to know but like my, my my aunt can explain the feelings, emotions, and thoughts, of course. and the anxieties and the fears. You know what I mean? The hopes that she had for this child. Like I should hear that from her, you know, and like I shouldn't have to hear from my aunt that my mom ran away from my dad because like all she ever wanted was a child, and she saw this as an opportunity. You know what I mean? Then like, if I had known that. I wouldn't have told my mom when I was 16 that I wish she had aborted me. I would have never said that because not knowing that outside of pushing my mom, that's like the most regretful thing I've ever said to her. You know what I mean? And now knowing that, it changes the whole situation. It makes it so much worse, you know? And I don't know that I also would have like struggled with my identity thinking that like, I spent a lot of my ch childhood thinking that like, I should have been aborted. You know what I mean? And 
I, I like struggle with like, why am I here? And I think that's part of the reason why I do this TikTok thing is because like, I think I'm still trying to prove that like, I'm meant to be here. Like I have a purpose. Like I need to like positively affect at least one person, if not the world, you know? Like maybe I still wouldn't struggle with any of that if I grew up knowing that like, I was the one thing my mom wished for her whole life, you know? And that's why communication is like so important. The things that like you feel shame of, that you have told yourself and pent up and like told this narrative of what's going on, like maybe other people don't see it that way, you know? Maybe in fact they don't not only just not see it that way, maybe they need to know that, you know? I I don't know really what to say to you now. But, yeah, um, I am so sorry no, to everybody. No, 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 but my, my greatest wish for you is to like, and I know that we look to our parents to fulfill those things in us that we didn't get, but my greatest hope for you is that you were able to fulfill that for yourself, knowing that you have done what you've set out to do. Up to this point, even just to now, you have positively impacted people and you have made a difference in this world and you have been put on this earth for a purpose and you are serving that purpose. And I don't know if it coming from me or from anybody else is gonna mean as much to you, but you know, communicating with yourself is just as important as communicating with those around us. It is. And communicating the ideas and emotions to yourself and understanding and compassion to yourself is something that we don't talk about that much either is extending yourself the same compassion that you would somebody else. Right. And I hope that, that that's something that you are doing and continue to do because whether you know it or not and whether or not you ever get that from your mom, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know her, I don't know anything about her, I don't know what kind of work she's doing for herself. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever gonna come for you. And we'll I hope see. it does, yeah. I really do. Um, but if, if nothing more, I hope that you can give that to yourself and give yourself yeah. grace and compassion. And I think, I think I'm learning too. And I think that's part of the reason why last week I was even able to identify that like, I was just a child trying to survive because like I do, I try to see it. Like I try to step back and see myself, my experience as if like it was somebody else. Yeah. How would I view it? What would I tell them? You know, what would they need to hear? What would they need to understand, feel and all that stuff. And that's something that I do. Um, this I don't want to call it like an exercise, but something that I do is like I think back and I like visualize what I would tell myself. Like I just come into the to her life as an adult, and the things that she's going through, what I would tell her now, and like the hard, painful things. Like I would, you know, kneel down and I'd tell her like, these are going to be. This is hard and it hurts so bad. But I want you to know this and that and whatever, whatever I say or whatever the situation calls for is like. And I think that, you know, a lot of people would probably consider that just healing your inner child and like, but I like have full on conversations with little me and I sit next to her and I talk to her like in my imagination and like the things that I would tell her. And I try to do that in a way that like, if I do that now to her, maybe me, her can feel those things somehow in some way, Yeah. you know, later on. Cause I never heard it from the people I needed to hear it from. Right. So I'm going to tell it to myself. Um, because I have done a lot of work and I've done a lot of stuff to emotionally heal myself that I know now, I now know that I'm in a position to say those things to somebody like me and me, right. you know, at the same time. 
Yeah, I know. And I think that's part of the reason why I want to be a dad my whole life so badly. Yeah. Is I think that I look at it as like, it's my chance to like make things right. You know what I mean? Or like, I don't know, prove that like some of the stuff that I went through was for something. You know what I mean? Because like, I'm going to raise this amazing kid who's going to like Save the Do world. Great things, you know what I mean? Like, we're getting there. We're getting there. One episode at a time. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. The tears want to come out, but I feel I feel like my emotions have moved past it. It's just <laughs> the tear ducts are like trying to catch up to my brain. But no, yeah, I uh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> we keep being like. What? Let me just talk to them for a second. Every week, Ed and I have the same conversation, and we say this: we don't want this this podcast to just be deep and filled with tears, and we want to make sure that it's still fun and shows our fun side. And then every fucking episode ends with us crying. Yeah. So this is just gonna be the theme, and if you're on board, then you're just gonna have to just commit to that because that's just what it's gonna fucking be. Okay? We, we love you for it, but yeah. please know that we were trying. We have plans to like have fun episodes, like. <laughs> Maybe eating edibles and seeing what happens, or like Drinking, taking shots. Taking shots from yeah. around the world and getting fucking drunk. But I know if I get shit faced, I'm just gonna cry harder. <laughs> so, look, this is just the journey. And if you're on board in the journey, that involves the totalities of us as humans. And I think the reason we cry is because we have, we are full people. Yeah. But I think also we've, given each other and ourselves permission to like let these feelings come out in this way. And I think that's awesome. And I think that more people should feel that way. Yeah. Safe enough to just feel like I'm gonna just put it out there and be vulnerable and it's okay. And and for the people it's not okay for, it wasn't for you anyway, so fuck you. And if you are listening to this in your car, you're crying with us yeah. and it's helping emotionally to heal you, um, well, we thank you. And that's what we want. Yeah. And, and that's what we hope for. Because we know that, that the journeys that we're all on, though they might be very, very different, we all have those same pockets where we're all like, I, I feel that. Yeah. In every possible way, you know, literally and figuratively, I feel that. Yeah. We you call know? it the diaspora, but you can't have diaspora without the pain. Right. And if you have pain, you have to heal it at some point. Right. And sometimes healing it you heal it through laughter or tears. Right, or sometimes both. both at the same time. <laughs> and I think also to, for me, sometimes watching somebody heal themselves is healing to me too. You know what I mean? Like I feel yes. like that little bit of their healing is somehow imparting and imprinting on me as well. Yeah. And I think that is part of the journey. That's well, part of getting there. If you're not seeing other people's experiences and being introspective, yeah. then what are we even doing? I think you need to figure something out. You need right. to figure something else out because that's that's what you have to do, you know? Right. So on that note, um, as this episode winds down to an end, we have something really special planned for next week. We have a guest. I don't know if we're gonna tease the guest today, but we'll, we'll tease the guest this week sometime. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we would love for you to write in to our email at <laughs> I was like, Deli, no, no, does not start with a W. She's like, Susie what was like, she was like, do not call me a boomer, you son of a bitch. Is it Gmail? Yes. What in the she at gmail.com. I know what email is. Ring. Fuck you. 
I know what that is. Um, and we wanna write it, we have you write in with your dating stories. Obviously, most likely if it's you're part of our people, it's gonna be like interracial dating or dating outside of your religion or funny stories or heartwarming stories about, you know, times you've been on dates or like even just being single, um, trying to go on dates, dating apps. Yeah, maybe it's like the first time you went on a same sex date, like whatever yeah. it is, we do wanna hear of the out of the ordinary ordinary uh dating stories that you have yeah as it pertains to you know i guess inter anything <laughs> yeah i mean it could be it could it could lead to anger it could be funny right. microaggression serious whatever it is just let us know yeah luckily we will just sift through them all. Yes, we will. And then we'll, we'll you know, pick out a few, but we like, I say this every week, but I mean it every week. I love hearing from you guys. Having, you know, our, our inbox full of emails from you guys is the funnest thing for us. It may be less fun for Ron who has to read through <laughs> every <laughs> single yeah. one. Um, Thanks for our producer, Ron. Ron, you're the best. Um, but, you know, hearing from you is, it really is the highlight, I think, to, to my whole week. I love it. Yeah, and as much as Susie and I commiserate and feel validated listening to each other at this point we're like well i think somewhere along the line we're like related or like you know what yeah, I mean? something right. like we're basically Kindred like spirits. right so like we it does help to have other people yeah. listen in because then it feels like less of it's a not vacuum. just us you know what i mean yeah like well, less of a vacuum we literally just are like we just validate each other like yeah. constantly over and over yeah. again like you're right He's not like, you're right. toxically but yes <laughs> but it could get there let's it be honest one day maybe <laughs> So the more you guys interact with us, the less of a vacuum we're in. So please, please write in your stories. Fun, funny, weird, sad, interesting, angry. or like, you know, right. Whatever dating stories you have or like dating outside of your race. Like I have so many stories as an Asian woman on what dating is like for me. I'm same. Interesting, funny, scary, angering, all those things. Sometimes all at once. Yes, so make sure you get those in for us. Uh, we love to see them. And then like we said, next week we have a special guest. Yeah, so write in. It's our first guest. Yes, our first guest. <laughs> write in uh, sometime by next week, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll keep it, we'll keep it I'll put the date here, because you know, I'm unprepared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but today's episode was, um, it was fluid. Yeah. <laughs> As life is. As life is, right? We go through all the gamut. We run the gamut on every episode. Maybe that's a guarantee we can give people. That, that warrants a laugh, I think. We <laughs> <laughs> gotta use at least one sure. sound in an episode. But we thank you so much again for being here. Uh, make sure to follow us on our socials. You can see me on TikTok and Instagram at Sujia1. Oh yeah, by the way, did you just follow me on Instagram yesterday? Yeah, sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice I, until I saw the notification. I was like, she either just followed me or she accidentally unfollowed me and followed me. I was like, either way, I just, I'm gonna bring this up tomorrow during the I podcast. I looked at it and I was like, oh no. But if you look at my following, I follow like 40 people. I was like, I, I only started it because people told me to. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, I hope he doesn't oh, I have see this. Zero resentment, I just wanted to bust your chops. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> Follow back. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but you can follow me on most of the socials at Etch a Sketch with a J. We're also available at What in the Shibal. And yeah, make sure you watch us on YouTube. And if you are watching us on YouTube, please make sure you like, subscribe, and ring that bell. Ding. Otherwise, <laughs> thanks again for joining us. We'll catch you on the next one. Okay, okay bye. bye. <laughs>